0: And welcome back to the final episode of Why Does It Always Have to Be About Race. In this last part of the series, we're jumping back in with our discussion on coalition building, as well as discussing other tangible ways we can all be agents of change. The biggest takeaway from today's conversation is, despite one's racial background, we all have a role in either dismantling or preserving systemic racial injustice. And now more than ever, we must be conscious of the role that we play to ensure a greater and more equitable tomorrow. So, with that being said, please enjoy part three, the final part of a series, Why Does It Always Have to Be About Race?
1: I personally believe, like, like, how could you be a poor white person in a system that was purposely built for you? It's there for them. They just choose, you know, I honestly just feel like they choose not to, you know, to go for like You think so? You're...
0: Yeah, I don't think the system yes. was built for them, though. That's the thing. The system no, was not built for them either.
2: Yeah. I would, push back. I would say- But you know how
1: many poor people, white people who are not no longer poor, though? Because they tried- like, I don't think that it's going to be given. I don't think that it's like given to you. They
2: definitely have like, I think everything white is privilege and you know, race privilege. But, like, I'm oh, absolutely. You. But, like, if you go to certain parts of the United yeah. States, like Appalachia, and you go to certain like places in Ohio, like, yeah. I was reading Hillbilly Elegy, and um, I was also watching this documentary on ABC News about like, you know, Kentucky and you know, Appalachia and everything. And when I say they got poverty out there, mm-hmm. like, and, like, they have poverty out there. And, like, their condition, I'm not in no way saying, that like, you know, oh, my God, we should definitely, you know, just forget about the plight of, you know, people of color. Yeah. But, like, they are valid in also some of the issues that they have facing their community, the opioid crisis yes. in their communities, it's unemployment. Too. It's yeah. real. So, like, my thing is, I think it's very important to also understand their plight. I'm not in any way saying that their plight is easier or harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, they they definitely have their struggles as well and like they talk about it often and like and that's the reason why, you know, Trump was so able to, you know, resonate with these people because he paid attention to them. Like I'm not saying that, you know, they should have voted for him, but like people vote on their interests, even though they voted against their interests, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you know, Hillary Clinton and other political candidates oftentimes don't pay attention to these mm-hmm. people and they feel voiceless and yeah. they feel like no one cares. Um, And obviously, I I can't say that they have no right to feel how they feel. Like, you know, obviously, they can feel however they want to feel. But I feel like it's important to also understand their struggle and their plight and to try to find a little bit more similarities, um, even though it's much more different than the Black experience in this country. But, like, the system is made for a specific type of person. It's made for a white, lateral, cis able body, wealthy rich like it ain't made people who look like them or who who come from places like them either. Like it's hard too. Mm -hmm. Um so it's I think it's just very important for everybody to understand that everybody has, you know, their their experience and every experience has valid, you know, um circumstances. Mm Um, And this is how we do coalition building and join forces instead of looking at everything that makes us different Even though it's important at times to like, you know, highlight those differences Let's also look at our similarities Mm -hmm. at times as well So we can work together and we can overpower the system that is oppressing both of us simultaneously in different ways
0: But oppressing us. Yeah, and to jump off of that where we keep talking about historically how our country was built there were the slave owners and slave masters Um, and Mm -hmm. their families and wives and such, and Black people who were slaves. And then you also had white, poor people who tended to also be indentured servants. And the overseers. Exactly. So the system started with that. And it wasn't to benefit those people who weren't in places of power. It was to distract them from the real problem,
2: which was the elite white people who are having who are usurping all the resources who are who are um, discriminating in um subjugating mm-hmm. everybody but so the attention wouldn't be turned on them it's yeah. so like oh you see these black people they're your problem they're the reason that you you know you have issues you should hate these and, people and then you know it's, it's it's much more complex than that but like yeah. it, It's race that was used. Race and class are very interwoven, interconnected
0: within the history of this nation. And the thing is too with race, oh I'm sorry, because I wanted to just say, with the thing with race though is also, we all know, well I'm sure we know that blackness, the idea of black as a race is a social construct, but um, black, before we even came here as people from the African diaspora, black were certain people in Europe, such as Irish, Italian, were Black. So they already had this construct of what was white versus what was Black. Not until, when when they brought it here in America, not until the white poor people started recognizing, hey, wait a minute, we're kind of on the same playing field as, like, the people from the African diaspora, that's when she started becoming, oh no, these are black versus this is white and you're also considered white. And then they exactly. felt that there was this privilege that they've been granted, like, oh, my whiteness made me the same as the slave master or the slave owners. And it's which that's did, when it, it it's it. all, like you said before, it was strategically done so that they they distracted the poor white people from making a coalition back then with black people if, to not, and like
2: like and I tell people um irish you know italian german mm-hmm. and other you know Western European groups are becoming white in this country is a new phenomenon. I feel like, yes. like we study race in terms of how we study blackness in this country, there needs to be more studies of whiteness as well. And I'm not saying that because you know I'm saying that oh, white people we need to you know babysit them or what have you. But no, people really need to understand it. Understand whiteness. We need to really mm-hmm. study it so like people can understand like what, why.
1: But you don't think that we've studied that enough?
2: Mm-mm. Not in the context yes. in which I'm saying. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about white history. Really? I'm talking about the construction of the white identity. Construction of the white identity okay. as a race. Not like, you know, white history, like white men who did this in America, who did that. Like, nah, nah, nah. We need mm-hmm. to understand how whiteness has been specifically constructed in this nation as a tool of oppression, a yeah. tool of privilege. And like, I feel like that we we need white people to take that course. We need yes. white people to take that course. I mean, black people can take. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say, I don't, I don't think, but I, I I think that that should be something that comes like second. I don't think that that should be in first because I don't feel like black people know who the fuck they are.
2: No, I feel like, like I, I feel like it should it should be a course because I don't feel like white people understand that whiteness is actually an identity. I, I feel like a lot of times white people just move in the world. Sometimes I don't want to speak for all white people, but like just move in the world sometimes and just are not aware that, you know, their race has been constructed for them as well. Mm -hmm. Like in, in in a way that which privileges them and that puts us at a disadvantage, but it's, it's very um, important for you to understand why it was constructed this way and why you're able to move this way. So like, you know, I've taken many courses in, you know, racial theory and gender theory and class theory, undergrad and at the master's level. And I think it's something that definitely needs to be discussed more. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very intricate, it's very complex, but, like, it's very hard to divorce race and class from one another in this nation. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're very interconnected. If yes. not, if anything, I feel like they're sisters. Yeah.
0: Like- and also to go off of that, too, I think, because one of the solutions I think that we've already came to the conclusion of is that a coalition is probably something... That we need to kind of be pushing for in order to dismantle these systems and kind of rebuild it so that there's actual equity here. But if we want that coalition to be as strong as it can possibly be, I think everyone needs to understand the construct and the construction of race in this country first and foremost. From all
2: angles. I agree. I totally agree. And, it's, and it's, it's complex, but this is why we need to have these conversations and they're difficult conversations mm-hmm. and they're painful conversations and they're tough conversations, but we need to be uncomfortable to have the conversation in order for progress to be made. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not uncomfortable, progress can't be made. Progress yeah. can't be made when people are comfortable. Yeah. There's a couple of That's books right. I read um, at TCNJ because I did African American study and I'm trying to put it up right now. I think the book was called, let me see, was called White Trash, the 400-year untold history of class in America. I feel like it's a really great book. It's by Nancy Eisenberg. Um, another really good read, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of Hillbilly Elegy, um, it's a really great book. It's by a guy who grew up in the Appalachian. Um, I think it was either Kentucky um, or Ohio. And he went on to go to uh, Yale Law, which is the mm-hmm. highest-ranked law school mm-hmm. in the nation. And he just talked about his experience, um, and it's by J.D. Vance. So, like, you know, like you said, obviously, as a person of color who has multiple different identities, mm-hmm. as a woman, as a Muslim, as an African, mm-hmm. as a working-class person, it will definitely be difficult for me to sit down with a white person in America and yeah. have to tell me that, you know, it's hard to be white in America. I would probably be like, huh. Well, it's hard to be right. It's hard to be me, you know, Yeah. but I feel like it's very important to, you know, sit and understand their perspective and their, their, their life and their lived experience and not try to, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Try to reduce their lived experience Mm -hmm. in their eyes. Like, you know, obviously I'm not going to say like, you know, you completely oppressed, but like you have your, Mm -hmm. your situation too. You know? And I feel like that's where it starts. We all have to just be more open to listening to one another mm-hmm. and just really seeing where people are coming from. Because if we just write each other off, like, oh, it ain't that hard, it ain't that hard, or, like, you doing too much, then ain't nothing ever going to change. Mm-hmm. We're just going to always be in the same cycle of, they complain too much, they are privileged, blah, blah blah, and we're always going to be at each other's neck.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, what do you guys think then, um, Other than, like, a coalition, well, I think maybe we should start here. I think something that, Medina, you brought up even prior to us even jumping on this um, was having greater visibility and, like, conversations about all identities. Um, Like, for example, when we were talking about the different people who have lost their lives as of late, different identities that are somewhat more marginalized, within the black community that are sometimes not even talked about and discussed and their names aren't as highlighted as like maybe a black cisgendered able-bodied man. Um, but other than like, if you guys want to jump in on visibility and like the importance there, but other than that, what are other solutions you guys think?
2: I think we need to reimagine what normal is mm-hmm. and what is considered deviant in this nation. And obviously as a cisgender heterosexual woman, Um, You know, I have privilege Mm -hmm. in that capacity. So I can't speak for trans people. I can't speak for the gay community, the LGBTQ community. I can only speak from the perspective as an ally. Um, And I try my best to be the best ally that I can be. And, you know, I'm I'm coming from a place where I have to do a lot of dismantling. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a traditional um, Islamic African household, um, you know, and those communities have very traditional views when it comes to, you know, family values and when it comes to what is considered right and wrong and sinful and unsinful. And what have you. I'm not going to get into too Mm -hmm. too much. Everybody kind of gets the justice of what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think it's important for us to just reimagine what normal is when it relates to all aspects of what is considered the norm and what is considered deviant. When that comes to like gender and sex, like male is often considered the norm, women is considered Mm -hmm. like kind of deviant in some aspects. When it comes to race, white and black and other people of color. When it comes to sexuality, heterosexual. And then you have, you know, LGBTQIA, gender nonconforming um gender non-binary um when it comes to the u.s citizen and then people from all other parts of the world so i feel like we need to reimagine Mm. what is the norm and what is not the norm because we have this idea of what should be and what it has been but we need to reimagine what it could be and what it should be you know instead so i feel like again it just it comes back to dismantling we have to do a lot of restructuring and dismantling and opening up hearts and minds um, it's going to be hard and it's, and hard work and mind work is very difficult things to do, but it's possible because it has been done. People have changed their minds about a lot of things mm-hmm. from the past to even today. Um, but it, it takes work and it takes people sitting down and being uncomfortable and having these conversations and pushing themselves, mm-hmm. you know? Um,
1: I would say that I think conversation, um, mm-hmm. just like now, um, I think conversation and just having discourse around uh, intersectionality is important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I was writing my thesis on Black masculinity, um, I studied Kimberly. uh Risha. Yes, uh huh. I was studying. I was studying her idea of intersectionality, and it just it made me open my eyes in regards to like being a Black gay man, mm-hmm. um, and my experiences and how my experiences can contribute to like overall conversation in regards to like masculinity amongst heterosexual black men. So I think that it made me be more acceptance to their lack of knowledge in regards to sexuality at different times. Um, And I think that's what what people need to, you know, people need to understand uh, definitely about intersectionalities because like, even though we are, both, of, like he, this this man and myself are, you know, black. Doesn't mean that we, ha- ha, you know, have the same experiences. Um, and I think that's important for people, for people to realize and know. So I think really studying that would definitely help a lot, um, especially in regards to like uh, uh, sexuality, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure.
2: I would love to read your thesis. Like after this call I definitely wanna connect with you on like, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram mm-hmm, and stay mm-hmm. in contact. But like I, I love it. Like I really love it. And I feel like, you know, I don't know who said the quote. Like I, I just wanna make this clear that it's not my words. Um but, you know, none of us are free until all of us are free, yes. you know?
1: That's the fact.
2: And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. And it's all, you know, everybody has their self-interest. Obviously, if you're fighting for a specific, you know, community, mm-hmm. you're fighting for that community and mm-hmm. its, you know, guard. However, I'm all for social justice being all-inclusive. Yeah. It's, it's very right. difficult for you to say that, you know, you believe in liberation and freedom when mm-hmm. your liberation and freedom is only liberation and freedom for one specific group yeah. of people while everybody yeah. else, like, still subjugated. Right. So, right. I feel like we need to really reconceptualize what that looks like as well, and we mm-hmm. really need to just be intersectional and inclusive in our practice, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: in our
2: in our way of, you know, visualizing freedom and liberation. Because if we just keep doing it from a selfish perspective and it's just self interest, like my group, my people, mm-hmm. everybody else, that's your problem.
0: Mm-hmm. It's never
1: going to yeah. change. Yeah, but you know, again, some people have different experiences, you know, mm-hmm. so. I feel like that, that can be a barrier because like, I would be down to, you know, to sit in a classroom or a lecture or a discussion with, you know, what, white people before, you know, previous experiences, but now I'm just like, I'm not, I don't think I'm really here for it. Um, because like you said, you have to be willing, like the conversation, you have to be willing to unlearn different things. And when you're in this conversation, you can't speak for other people you can only speak for you know you can only speak for self um and I had a really bad experience when I was in grad school
2: I'm so sorry Um,
1: so like that was like the biggest turnoff for me um it's not that I dislike the people but it's just like not my my cup of tea um anymore Mm. um I just believe in feeding feeding myself I mean not myself but you know people actually I'm I'm more so into feeding people who would actually like to learn um who are willing to learn um so i don't know it's kind of it's just really tricky um because you know you never know like how people like you never know if people are really like you said you never know if people are really doing something for themselves or like if they're really being genuine even with your own people you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i don't know i think conversation can just be very
2: difficult mm. i'm sorry um, that you had that experience like that that really sucks you know i've been in a lot of white spaces unfortunately i haven't had the experience of dealing with overt like you know mm-hmm. right in your face outward discrimination or outward you know people mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. crazy about certain things yeah. but I'm, I'm i'm very much aware of you know being mm-hmm. the black woman who is seen as being too much or always um uh, here she go trying to fight the power right. mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i mean it's, it's me like the political is personal for me yeah. and like my life is yes. political. So I, yeah. I can't divorce myself from these political right.
0: yeah mm-hmm. so like Why? if
2: you, if you want to deal with me you have to deal with all of me but and I mean, honestly it's I like we couldn't that. divorce
0: it even if we tried right
2: so i'm not i'm not here to make you comfortable i'm not here to exactly
1: you. you're, you're living. Have to you're living for, yeah you're living your truth i think it was angela davis she said that racism is a distraction and let me just make sure that it was her that said that before I talk about it. But I definitely think it was her. Racism <laughs> is a distraction. Who said this? Toni Morrison. I knew it was Toni. I
2: love mm. her sister, Morrison. She
1: yes. was a source. Yes, boy. yes. So, um, yeah, I honestly believe that it keeps you from, I think it honestly keeps Black people from, you know, seeking their own light. Or shedding, mm. you know, focusing. You were on saying a, that earlier. Yeah, like focus. I honestly feel like it keeps you from focusing on other things that really matter. I was telling Rashida earlier, you know, like while we're focusing on this, these videos like of a mod, and these other senseless killings of uh, black people and harm to the black body. that's people yeah. lining up right now to, you know, to run for state, uh, state offices next mm-hmm. year you know, and we know nothing about it. Like, we're not focusing on those things. We could be focusing on, you know, shedding light on, you know, people who are in our communities or on social media who are naturally, uh, genuinely pressing these issues forward. And we should be able to push them forward to, you know, to run for these offices. But we're, we're not able to focus on on that light you know what I'm saying mm-hmm.
2: so True. that's that's funny. why I that's do what believe be you know
1: racism racism is definitely a, dis- a distraction at times because we y'all, you know we all just agree that you know race is a, a social construction
2: I wouldn't say racism is a distraction for me personally I would say mm-hmm. also, like the oversharing of mm-hmm. these incidents sometimes mm-hmm. can be like it could be a lot and it could be it could be a lot more done than just sharing the, the mm-hmm. video because my thing is again we already are aware that these people are being brutally killed mm-hmm. we like and then again respect for the family like god forbid that ever happened to somebody in my life i wouldn't want that on mm-hmm. social media like that's triggering and it's kind of almost i don't want to say selfish but it's kind of almost like um you don't think about the, the impact that that has to constantly know that your loved one is on cyberspace for everybody to view it kind of I feel like it almost unintentionally sends a message to the black community, like lynchings used to do. Like, right. if
1: Saying
0: you
2: do stay in this is going to be you. Right. It's be you? It's just like it's it's like a public lynching. Yeah, yeah. it is. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: It does. Mm-hmm. Like I'm they thinking, used to send postcards. Necessarily... Yeah. people, you know
2: exactly. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a distraction, but I think it definitely we need we need to be more cognizant right. of the mm-hmm. of the oversharing, and mm-hmm. we need to find ways to you know, inform people of these incidents without making yeah. it the, the, just the viral images because it's triggering. I remember Alter Sterling. I yes. remember when the late Alter Sterling was yes. killed. That video triggered me in a way in which I've never, I don't want to say I've never been triggered because I've been triggered by a lot of other things, but, like, the way he was killed on camera in mm-hmm. the blood and the gore, like, I yes. was... Like, yeah. I was talking about this earlier. Yeah. I
1: was literally talking about this earlier with Rashida. I'm like, I can't get that video out of my head. Yeah. Like, I can Every- literally see... Like I haven't, I haven't seen it in what since since it happened, and I mm-hmm. literally cannot get it out of my head. Like I can't.
0: Yeah. Um, like
2: it, it it has done so much damage to me. Um, and I get it; they needed to inform people and let people know. But like, why can't we do an op ed or like mm-hmm. a, a post or something? Like, why do you have to put that image in for everybody to exactly. see? Exactly. Like the card mm-hmm. for black mm-hmm. life.
1: And let me correct myself. I was saying that Toni Morrison said racism is a distraction. She said the function, the very serious function of racism is the distraction. So she said it, it keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over and over again your, your sense of resistance. Um, she said that um, somebody says you have no language and you spend 20 years trying to prove that you do. Or she said you somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on, on that fact. Um, so that's what she meant. Like a lot of it is literally to, you know, to keep you in a place, like to keep you and in to a-
2: exhaust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it does,
1: cause we talk about it at the dinner table. We're talking, we're walking across the street. We talking about <laughs> it now. So it's like, so it's mm-hmm. like, we're not the only ones a part of this, Yeah, you know? And that goes back to you guys saying, you know, you know white people have to learn about themselves, truly learn about themselves. Because this conversation is not just for us. The conversation is for everybody. Yeah. Black people are not oppressing themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason for black people to continue be to the be the
0: only ones.
1: Yes, carrying yes, the conversation.
2: That's um, very true. And fellowship is very important. Yeah. When you start to talk to people, you get a glimpse of who they are. You get a... A glimpse of their life, their experience, and then people become more comfortable, and then mm-hmm. the guards come down, the walls come down, and then you can really start getting to the root and the crux of what the issues are. But Hold if on, you don't talk to people, if you don't talk to people,
1: it's just going oh to people, just gonna be a Why is Emmett um, Till? Why is Emmett Till uh, trending on Twitter right now? I'm scared. What? I'm scared oh. to click it. click
0: it. Don't click it. Don't click it.
2: That's I need like to do a, uh, make a Twitter again. I deleted my
1: old Twitter because I was like, I don't mm-hmm. got time to be
2: having people. Oh, they're the talking about white women. Oh, wow. Was this Lana Del Rey? The conversation the is about white
1: stuff? women. No, there's a new white woman. There's a white woman that was in Century Park. I seen the video earlier. This black man told her that she needed to put her leash on the doll because the, the, there's a rule that's like visible in the park that said dolls supposed to be on the leash. So she called the police officer. She's like, She's like somebody coming. She's like, come help me! There's an African American man trying to attack me and my dog. Like she was like going what? crazy. Mind you, they were recording. The guy was recording her. So people are going in on Twitter. So Emmett Till name is there because they listed. Mm. There's a white woman speaking up. I believe um, she said Emmett Till would be a. A year older than Joe Biden, were he alive today, he could be running for president. I don't think we can stop considering the impact of lies white people tell about black people and the legacy they they leave. That's a white mm-hmm. woman that tweeted that. But so basically, someone tweeted um, a list of white women who have lied on mm. a black man, mm. and Emmett Till name is trending.
2: Mm. That's so sad. Wow. That is- you gotta really like. What is up with this culture of calling the police on people of color? Yeah.
1: I do not get it. I right. don't get it. I don't get it.
2: And this is how it's you so, can tell that people have like, understood that it's a, it's a form of terrorism. It is. In our community. it is. If they, I, they, they I, can be like, oh, okay, if you if you don't do what I want, I'm about to call the police.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, so you're very much well aware of what you're yeah. doing.
1: It's so crazy because it's like America protects white women it's like it's well, like white women yeah. are they protect them with all costs and it's like why can't black men be that protective of black
0: women, women. like you know
1: yeah.
0: like it, 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 it,
2: it,
1: it, 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 it makes <laughs> right? it makes no sense and it's crazy because Malcolm X said 50 mm-hmm. years ago like I'm getting chills over my body that the black mm-hmm. the black woman is the most neglected the black woman is the most unprotected in. I'd be damned if that is not true today. Like yeah. how, yeah. how 50 years later, this is the same, this is the same thing. Like how, mm-hmm. like it makes no, it makes no sense at all.
2: And as a black feminist, the amount of times I've had to sit and lecture our black brothers and, and just really just go off about some of the appalling BC that is inflicted towards black women and the lack of, care mm-hmm. and just the
1: denigration and the disrespect i will never stop fighting for the cause of black women and girls but i'm me either and I, that's yeah. that's who i that's mostly advocate for i mostly advocate for black women because i just feel like black women are really grand supreme like even if, if we start to talk about religion or spirituality i would tell you that god is a black woman uh, Rashida, i don't think you go you we got time for that <laughs> but yeah. And maybe we could talk one day, we can come back and talk about um, body, the black body and sexuality.
0: Yeah. Whoa, I, would love uh, yeah. I have one last question for you guys. Any other solutions mm-hmm. you can think of in regards to our initial um, conversation of police brutality?
2: I had the pleasure of working within um, the mayor's office I think a summer ago i was at the new york city commission on gender equity i had a great time it was a very intersectional org Mm -hmm. it was rooted in you know gender equity and justice um with you know uh a gender um lgbtq and non-binary uh lens um and then the the woman at the forefront of it was a black woman so that was really um, a refreshing experience Mm -hmm. um and like i don't have an issue with de blasio i feel like he's been trying to do a lot of great things Mm -hmm. um it's definitely more work to be done new york city is a very interesting place to govern and and it's a difficult mm. place to govern so like i can mm-hmm. commend him for some of the great work that he's done compared to some of his um you know uh previous people like uh you know Michael mm-hmm. Huber, some of the things that they have done um for the black mm-hmm. community um and i usually don't like to name drop but i feel yeah. like it's, it's important to know about the damage that they've done um but i feel like the solution Why? is you know we have to vote and and i tell people mm-hmm. this that like, we can't be apathetic we have to vote in all elections not just yes. the presidential election mm-hmm. we gotta vote mm-hmm. when there's a mayor when there's a city council person when there's a sheriff when there is attorney mm-hmm. general we gotta vote in every election because all of these positions matter. all of them My. we gotta show up mm-hmm. we gotta be a part of the school board if we have the opportunity to do that and have the privilege to mm-hmm. have that time Um, To do that, and we just have to be engaged. We can't be apathetic. We can't be careless. And like, oh, you know, like everybody is saying with this upcoming election, we have to recognize that the Black community is a huge voting block. And we we gotta stop giving our vote away. We gotta stop. (laughs) We we gotta just stop being happy to get bread crumbs and and to just get pandered to. We gotta really show people (laughs) that, like, just like these other communities that hold y'all accountable when when you want to their support. We need to. We need to hold y'all accountable. We need for you to also pay us attention and not push us to the Mm -hmm. side. So I think Mm -hmm. voting is a a big thing and I just engagement and like really just staying informed. Mm -hmm. Um, But progress can be made and there's a lot of solutions, but it's it's just, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing. And
0: something that I actually was reading um, on the ACLU when I was trying to think of different solutions is any sort of reform, any legislation, we need to make sure we keep on it As a people, like, if we want to make sure that it's actually passed, because they can say this is something that we are going to put on and vote on, but we have to make sure we keep on them so that these legislations are actually passed. Exactly. And that
2: they change with the times, too. Like, we need our legislation to not be stagnant. We need Mm. it to be forever progressing forward, because, like, what was working in 1960 is, is going to be different in yeah. 2020. So we can't just be, like you said, okay with, oh, okay, we passed this legislation and we just going not let it sit here for yeah. decades. Like, nah, we need to re reevaluate it and see whether it's actually doing the job that it was designed to do. And if not, we need to make yeah. some changes to it.
0: When it comes to staying informed for people who are listening to this, how are some ways that they can be informed?
2: I think it's engagement. Like, I feel like political figures and like activists and advocates gotta engage the youth in a in a very different way in which we engage. You know, who live and breathe in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, we also we also have to meet people where they are. Not everybody likes to read.
0: Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes
2: to watch the news. We, we have to find other avenues and other channels to inform people. Like some people like documentaries, some people like, you know, short Instagram informational videos,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so, like social media is a huge. I am going to say that. Like the kids on Instagram, they on Facebook, they on Twitter, they on Snapchat. Like we, we got to be making like, not, I want to say just like fun, but we got to make it interesting and intriguing and really explain to them the severity of things because like people on shade room every day, yeah. all day at all hours of the night. We need to partner with these organizations that got mm-hmm. the kids in their pocket, and they got their ear, and let them know, like, hey, we need you to advertise certain things. We need you to put this on your platform so they are aware. Mm. We need people like Charlamagne the Guy on a reference club. Yeah, to keep, keep doing what know, he
0: was doing, doing right yeah. Thing. I
1: don't you know? live for him.
0: I don't live for him, either, but I live for this moment.
2: I don't either. Like, I live he got his moment. issues. Like, I, yeah. I take issue with some things he does. But, like, I he's very he's problematic. Invenible. Yeah, he's very problematic Mm in certain regards. But I can see doing a very great
0: job. Yeah.
2: And what he and with this with this whole, you know
0: the election initiative. mm -hmm.
2: Exactly. But we need the people who who got the like the 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 culture and the pocket to really be pushing things for it. You know?
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. I totally agree. Was really good. Right. Thank you, guys, both of you guys, so much. Thank you. Yeah, this was so good, Thank guys. you. So thank,
2: much. you. thank you for having you, in the building. Yes. Thank you for having you me. Too. It's so great to. I you sent know, you a request
1: on face on Instagram.
2: Oh, I already accepted it. You already know me. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for reconnecting, Rashida. Like, so you know, just keep doing what you're doing, yo. Like, you've always, you know. Been doing a great job at everything you do, so I just can't wait to see all the great stuff you continue to
0: do, girl. And I hope that we can continue having these conversations, honestly, because yeah, this was like definitely. really great. You like, got my contact yeah. information anytime, girl. Yeah, I'm really happy that we did this. So thank you, because this is going to be amazing. Um hey. But yeah, we'll reconnect again, and we'll do something <laughs> like this again. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys. Have a thank really you for having good night. Nice. See you
2: nice. good night, y'all. Stay yes, center, yes. Later. Bye. You too.
0: Bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for following me on this journey, discussing and unpacking these very tough yet prevalent issues. I hope you enjoyed this series just as much as we enjoyed sharing with you. But more importantly, I hope that some of the points made throughout the series resonated with you and sparked further thought or conversation with your loved ones. I'm so excited to continue to share more content within the coming weeks. Stay tuned, as I will soon be dropping a new series that you won't want to miss. And until then, be the change that you want to see. I'm Rashida Ricketts, and this is Breaking Barriers. Peace.